0: Podcasts. It's Toss time. It's Toss time. It's time. It's time for the hard hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddis and Bobby
1: Belt. Ten, five, 5, Victory. Cowboys win. This is Love of Love Welcome to the to Star Podcast. I'm Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through the Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G Bag Nation, two to seven p.m. Central Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network, Um, and he's also just a a a Texas Rangers fan who's beside himself, an (laughs) LSU Tigers fan who's beside himself. (laughs) Been a it's been a tough couple weeks for you there, Brian. But you've got NFL football on the horizon, so maybe that'll remove some of the uh, pain of LSU losing to Florida State and the Texas Rangers bullpen just not being any good.
0: No, hey, congratulations! Uh, I know uh, I got several people out there I know that are Florida State fans, and the biggest one I think is John Machota, who who is with the Athletic. And matter of fact, it was kind of like a, a presidential election when you get beat, you know, by the. Uh, the, uh, the opponent and you yeah. send them the call or you text. And I sent Johnny a text last night with like eight minutes to go in the game. And I go, congratulations, the better team won, you know, and he said, thanks. So it was kind of like really quick, but yeah, really unfortunate for my Tigers. And there's a lot of love for that school, uh, a lot of love for the program and what they did for me. I, it, it hurts me to, to see them go out and play as poorly as they did uh, at times, They really had no answer for Florida State. I'm looking forward to when we get to the draft show uh, coming up, you know, when we start to do that work on the draft to the quality of players there at Florida State. They did a great job with the transfer portal. But congratulations, Florida State. Congratulations to John Machoda. And yes, it is game week as far as Dallas Cowboys uh, go. So very exciting about that.
1: Yeah, and congratulations obviously to uh Coach Prime and Colorado with the yeah, upset over yeah. the weekend. Man, I, yeah. I'm and, and this is we've got plenty of time for the draft show. We're gonna do cowboys mail, <laughs> but I will say obviously Deion Sanders. Be careful, cowboys Bobby.
0: There's people here. right now that are mad at us for even taking time away from Man, cowboy discussion. The
1: the uh <laughs> Shador Sanders. Yeah I knew I knew he was a good player and I know I knew he was a, a bigger recruit. Right. But, you know, just talk to some folks. It's like, no, that's that's a, it's a guy who, like, his trajectory could take him to the NFL. He looks – that kid doesn't sweat, man. Mm. He just – he stands in there. He's calm. He's I, I'm really excited to watch him and, and see what happens there.
0: Yeah, very poised the way he plays. I, I even tweeted about this, the lateral agility, the ability to move, to keep his eyes down the field as things kind of fall apart around him. You know, Colorado did a great job of, you know, and, and, you know, TCU, much like it was very similar to like watching LSU. You know, they didn't cover well enough. They didn't tackle. There was no pressure. But, you know, the opportunities that uh, that Sanders had, you know, their the receivers, the skill guys, a great job. They ran the football, had a great game plan, nice balance. I think they slowed the game down at the end knowing that their defense was in a little bit of trouble. And, you know, you started seeing a little bit more of the runs and stuff. I'd give anything to have a screen pass to go as long as they did. They had a couple of them that looked like they throw into their backs that uh, worked out pretty well. But congratulations to Colorado and and, and congratulations to everybody out there who's – uh College team or their favorite team won this weekend it is uh week one we 'll see what happens in week two usually there's some kind of a bounce back usually they're you know hopefully you don't go and oh and two but uh, you know Colorado clearly is a team that 's got national interest now and you know they 've got a big game against Nebraska coming up but they but I tell you what you 're right about Sanders fun to watch really fun to watch i I'm, I'm sad I missed him playing at Jackson State you know I mean maybe i didn 't get to see enough Jackson State games, but uh, the talent clearly is there.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you talk about national interest and and talent and big aspirations, uh, it sounds a lot like the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. who, of course, it is week one. They get the New York Giants on Sunday night football to kick off the season. It feels like every other year it's the Cowboys and the Giants on Sunday night football. that's that's the way uh, the NFL likes to schedule it. That's the approach that we take um you know we'll do we'll touch on some stuff next segment um where we just kind of go over three questions that i've got for for jerry jones uh well, you guys
0: tuesday have him Monday. on tuesday morning we've, right we've,
1: we've got him on 105 through the fan so there's three questions that i i'm basically going to ask you you know versions of them that i'm going to ask to jerry uh that i want us to kick around here and so we'll kick around those a little bit next segment but just kicking things off here as we enter the the 2023 season Brian obviously changes with the offensive coaching staff we got the news this week uh or at the end of last week that Terrence Steele got his contract done um I I was very surprised honestly that it got done I thought they were going to let him play out on on the uh tender Mm -hmm. and I I thought that was going to be a mistake he ultimately I know I went back and listened to when we talked about this we had said Right around probably eighteen million a year. Right around fifty million and guaranteed. Was he get? He gets seventeen point three annually and fifty million guaranteed. You can kind of.
0: I'm not going to take any credit for that, Bobby. I'll give you full well, credit because I am terrible with these <laughs> contracts and numbers. As you know, thank God that the cap folks are as talented as they are. Yeah.
1: As complicated as the uh, the negotiations can sometimes be it does feel like it ultimately settles right around uh, where we thought well, it did. So yeah. uh, your your thoughts just initially on getting Terrence Steele done, locking him in, and and how important that is. Because I know there was a lot of discussion that, hey, look, Tyler Smith is the only guy guaranteed to be here on your offensive line through the end of this season. That was some of the talk in the camp. Now you've at least maybe bought an extra year with Zach Martin. You've locked in Terrence Steele. They're, they're starting to get some stability for their offensive line into the future.
0: Well, nothing but credit to Terrence Steele and nothing but credit to to Joe Philbin, who's no longer here that worked with him. And Joe all along talked about how the kid would uh, come in first in, last to go, ask questions, worked extremely hard, had a chance to uh, to visit with some folks over there about him and, and you know and what he went through with his, his injury, how diligent he was coming in every single day, working very hard you know, not uh, not allowing anything to get him down, just stayed super positive throughout. And uh, I'm one of these people, and I, and I know if you follow me for a long time, I was super critical of this kid, way overcritical of this kid as a player. And, you know, and there were times where, you know, I felt like, oh, well, he can't do this and can't do that. Well, there's still things that he can't do. It's just that he does a lot more good things than he does bad things. And him and Zach Martin together make a very nice pair On that right side when it comes to running the football it's very clear when you watch the Cowboys run the ball when he was out of the lineup it wasn't the same his ability his athletic ability uh, the way he works combo blocks the way he works the edge the way he gets out on the crack toss uh, all those things are factoring into him as a as a really uh, a solid right tackle there's some things that he gives up a little bit power wise but you know you're always going to get fight. You're always going to get the finish, and that's the positive things about him. and And congratulations to him for getting the extension. And congratulations to Adam Pacifica and Todd Williams and those guys, Stephen Jones, that worked the cap. What we're learning about this though is if you're willing, if you're willing to uh, meet them and i'm talking about the cap guys if you're willing to meet them and not try and reset the market it appears you're getting things done you know if you look at the last couple this 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 is not a deal that reset the market by any means dig's deal didn't reset the market so if you're willing to play in a ball game where you're not going to be the t- the highest paid guy there's a good chance you're going to get something done. It's just, it's showing up that way. They are more than willing to work with you. But as long as you're trying to reset the market, then that that puts them into a bad spot. But if you're willing to be the fourth or fifth highest paid guy at the position, that's right in their wheelhouse right now. And so maybe we'll see some others get done. But again, good job by the front office getting it done. Good job uh, by... um, by Steele and his group getting it done and negotiating on their end. I think it's a very fair deal for everybody all around.
1: Yeah, and we talk about the stability of the offensive line moving forward. They've got, you know, Zach Martin locked in hopefully for this year and next year. Um, You know, they've got Terrence Steele now on this five-year deal. Um, You know, Tyler Smith is on his rookie deal. They have the fifth-year option on him. So there's some some stability there that you can build with. Nobody knows about left tackle. I mean, that may be Tyler Smith's job eventually – um, but the the other question here on the interior, Brian, for me is, is Tyler Biotish, who made the Pro Bowl last season, um, but was, was obviously an alternate. I, I don't know that he had like a, a Pro Bowl season, but he was a good player for them last year. And we haven't heard a lot of conversation about him being involved in some of these contract extensions or trying to lock something up long term. Would Biotish be a guy that you'd be interested in you know, kicking around an extension, you know, conversation with, or or do you think, hey, let's play this out, but ultimately I think I can go find somebody who can do this a little better?
0: Interesting question, because I'm hearing whispers, and whispers meaning that this might be a pretty good group of centers in the college draft coming up. So, I'm going to I think I'm gonna play this in a way that I'm going to wait and see. I'm gonna wait and see with him. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying, hey, Brian, if something happens to him, this team is uh, you know, not in a very good spot. And you know, that very well could be true. Very well could be true. But I, I think there's some priorities I have right now, but if if it's a deal that is he comes, uh, to the the front office and says, "Hey, listen, I'm willing to do this number of years for this amount of money right now to get this thing done and cleared up. I'd sure listen. I'd sure listen, but I don't think I'm going out of my way right now to make this happen unless uh you know unless he comes forward with it because again I'm I'm hearing that that it's a pretty good group of sinners that we might be dealing with and maybe you could be fortunate to. Uh, to get that guy like you did, uh, that Travis Frederick, where you know he comes in and just totally solidifies your front with the the way that he's able to play.
1: Yeah, and Biadish. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue he has been a a resounding success as a fourth round pick. Done a nice job. Yeah, um, you know, one of the I'm um, Terrence Steele, obviously an undrafted free agent, but. One of the few day three offensive linemen that's really hit for the Cowboys. The Cowboys have always had success drafting offensive linemen, but it's typically been they've used high capital on them. It's not frequently that you hit on guys on day three with offensive line picks. So, Oddish uh, definitely a success story. If nothing gets done and you do want to draft somebody, do you think – Now that Diggs has been locked in and Steele have been locked in, I think those were the most obvious candidates for potential tags. Do you think Biotis could be the the biggest tag candidate we're talking about here in four or five months heading into the offseason?
0: I'm thinking about that because I'm thinking about who else you're having to deal with. Is is he the only guy? I mean, I was just trying to, I was hopeful I wasn't going to leave somebody out. That's well, the some big d- ones
1: we had been talking about were Steele and Diggs. Let me look here, because I know the— See, the- I don't
0: want to sit there and say, yeah, he's a tag candidate, and next thing you know, there's like, well, you're not thinking about— somebody else on defense or yeah, you so, know
1: so you've got you've got pollard will be a free agent again okay uh, i'm trying to see if this says spotrak says but i'm not sure that that's right i guess tyron smith is going to be a free agent at the end of this year too I, it's just a little difficult with the sure um the the void years they have on there to tell that but your, your top candidates would be tyron smith tony pollard uh stefan gilmore j ron curse Uh these would be the the guys that are probably in competition along with Biatish.
0: Man, curse is curse is so important to what you're trying to do. And so, you know, I'm glad I didn't forget him. I I was I just didn't know who all was but you know, and and hey, you know, how much would it be for you know for Gilmore too would be another one too. That's a you know that, that tag was that thing probably 18 19 million dollars that kind of where we're at right now on the uh so
1: this past year because it's a it's a little interesting the way it works so the offensive lineman even though biotish is a center it's averaged out over offensive line it does not specify yeah. which offensive lineman so the number is really big this past year the franchise tag was 18.2 yeah. Point- 2 million on offensive line for corner it's 18.1
0: oh so it's, okay. it's
1: about the same figure
0: and our safety is our safety is not as much either right in their no, safety, safety way down the
1: safety figure would be 14 million or, right. or it was this past year
0: i'm kind of i'm kind of looking at that direction right now but if but if the corner tech you know it, again depending on how well gilmore plays or where you feel like you know that uh that that might help you that's I'm sure there's I'm sure but there's options. There's options there. I I just kind of feel like I would I think with Curse, I know how important he is, but damn Biotis is too. If something happens to him, I I thought with Biotis, you know, having him having to deal with that ankle injury that he suffered in training camp. Yeah. I mean it was was a big
1: deal at the end of last year and it was a big deal at camp. Yeah, it
0: was. It clearly was. So you kind of got me on the fence on that one, Bobby, and I hate to be on the fence. I don't want to be on the fence about that.
1: Uh, that's that's why we ask these tough questions. There might be, you, and know, and you know, know, you
0: might you're, you got more safeties. I mean, it might be a thing, but do you have a safety that means as much to you as, as, what, uh, as what curse means?
1: Yeah, not just what he and, does on the field, but who he is as a leader and, I, and what he brings to that locker room.
0: And speaking of safeties, I was talking to some folks over in the organization, and I think that we got this from McCarthy, though, earlier, but this morning I was talking with some guys that uh, Donovan Wilson, uh, the plan is to try and get him ready uh, for week one, that it was a little bit slow with the calf injury that he was dealing with, and that was putting him behind, but the plan is to have him get ready to practice, so they feel like that he's pretty close. Let's see if he can get there by Sunday.
1: Dan Quinn, when we got a chance to interview Dan Quinn on Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan during training camp, he had uh, actually singled out Donovan Wilson as one of the guys that he said, yeah, look, when when we talk to guys about, you know, playing with effort and and playing with a certain attitude and physicality, the first guy I highlight is number six. That's why I tell people, yeah. if you're in the secondary, learn from this guy. Like, like if you're in the back seven, you want to learn from this guy and how to play physical football. And, and how to, you know, play football our way. And so he definitely is a guy that they think very highly of. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone and wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too they got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, I've got these three questions that I want us to kick around here. I'm gonna. We've got variations of these that we're going to kick around with Jerry Jones on Tuesday morning when he joins us on 105 to the fan for his weekly uh, radio show, his radio hit, uh, 8.30 every Tuesday on 105 to the fan. And I've got a few questions here, and we're going to build off of something we just discussed uh, pretty heavily during that last segment, Brian. But this is the first one, is that, Look at the money that this team has spent in the last month or so. Um, they gave a new deal to Malik Hooker. They you know, reworked Zach Martin's deal. They give extensions to Trayvon Diggs and Terrence Steele. Um, and then you consider the fact that they've given up just in the last six months. They have traded away a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth round pick in next year's draft. When you see the investment that they're making in their guys and you see the capital that they're moving, and it's not high draft capital, but they're, they're getting rid of their day three picks, which is not like them to just empty those.
0: Nope.
1: Um, do you think that signals, they're signaling with their actions how much they truly believe this is a Super Bowl contending football team?
0: I believe there is a form of, uh, and I'm not. it's not the word desperation, but there's a form of this, I'm seeing it's, maybe anxious is the wrong word, but sense of trying to like, hey, it's, it's kind of now or never kind of a thing. And that, maybe that's a bad analogy of it as well, because I kind of feel like that, that Jerry Jones, you know, is getting to the point in time where he is, he's looking at his football team and he sees what's happening in the NFC. He sees Aaron Rodgers going by the wayside. He has to feel like he has one of the top three quarterbacks in the in an NFC. He's, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a look of, I've got to do this now. I've got to find a way to, because, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And I'm not trying to sound morbid or sick or anything like that about Jerry Jones. But, you know, the older you get, the more you become like, we've got to do this now we've got to we've got to figure this out. you know and I like to believe that Mike McCarthy would feel that way too. you know yeah. we've got to do this now we've you know because I'm nobody's talking about a contract extension for me right now. Everybody's talking about me being one of the first guys fired, you know everybody's talking about after the season that I'm gonna be gone and so I, I think there becomes that sense of of that you have to, you know, play this like, hey, I I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and um, I think they're doing it because of Jerry's. I think they're doing it because of Jerry's mandate, but I also think they're doing it because they feel like these are really good opportunities to help their team. You know, the, the to go out and get Brandon Cooks, to go out and get Gilmore, to go out and use a pick to go get Trey Lance. You know, those are moves where you try and help your football team, your roster, in case you know, in case something happens, you you know, you've got these quality of players and to move draft picks to do that, you know, that's that's just smart in my opinion. And they draft very well. You mentioned it. These these guys do not I mean, for them to give up picks, that's a big, big big undertaking for them.
1: There there's but, a great note this week. I don't know if you saw it, Brian, sorry to interrupt. I, ju- I yeah. just I think this is absolutely relevant to what you just said there when we talk about them using their draft picks and, and the fact that they're willing to kind of not give those away, but they're they're willing to use those, uh, you know, in trade right now. Uh, I think that this is a great note from Jason Fitzgerald of uh, over the cap last week. He said the Cowboys currently lead the NFL with being responsible for starting the career of 82 players currently yeah. in the league. Ravens are second with 77. Yeah. Uh, at the bottom, you've got the Panthers with just 39. So, I mean, the Cowboys, that's how, how good they've been at Finding talent. Even when it doesn't work out here, they're finding guys that sustain in the league. Right. They they're responsible for more than double the players like 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 more than double the amount of players that they started their career than the Carolina Panthers. And I think that that speaks to why the Panthers are near the top of the draft, the Cowboys are generally at the back. But they're definitely showing a willingness to to really go in. And you brought up a good point when you said you don't want to make it sound like now or never. But it's a sense like, of
0: urgency, right? Yeah. And you know it's what I that think, sense of I think, urgency is I what think it really is.
1: I think there's been a sense of urgency, and this is a continuation of it, each of the last four years. For for Jerry to make the move to move on from Jason Garrett, I think was he felt, I, I, I got to I gotta make something happen here. This, this team's close. I, I got to make something happen. Get near the end of uh you, you know the, the career here. Uh, that was part of it. And then the way he fought, Nobody fought harder in league circles to play the COVID year than
0: Jerry. I that's 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 exa- I've said that a bunch on on various platforms that you're absolutely right when you get to where you're late 70s, 80s Jerry knows he doesn't have that many campaigns left. You know that we're starting to see, you know, I mean, his friend Al Davis, we got reminded of that when the Raiders played uh, you know, uh, against the Cowboys in the preseason, you know, listen to Mark Davis talk and, you know, we, we learned Jerry, you know, but, you know, Al Davis was like his mentor and like I could say we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And Jerry knows that. And, you know, yeah. so, you know, it doesn't matter how many billions of dollars you had, though, you have to try and find a way. To operate, thinking about today and not tomorrow, and I think that's what the Cowboys have done. The sense of urgency from Jerry, I think that sense of urgency has filtered down through Steven, through Will, through uh, through Mike McCarthy, through the coaches, and through the players. Yeah. You know, I think. You know, yeah. I think. Look what Dak Prescott said about it. Super you know? Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Next question here. Um, Brian Burns and Nick Bosa. Brian Burns there in California, uh, in Carolina. Uh, Nick Bosa with the 49ers. Both these guys, uh, you know, really fighting for for their new contract right now. Bosa has been absent all of camp. Um, Brian Burns is not practicing right now. There's some question about whether he's even going to play in this first game. How closely should the Cowboys, and in your experience when you were working in NFL front offices, not Chris think, Jones too. Well, Chris Jones too. I'm just thinking more edge specific. For sure. Micah. Sure. How closely do you think the Cowboys try and monitor? Oh, from afar, I see what you're
0: doing. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Monitor from afar and just go. How is this going to impact us? Because Jerry very clearly has his mind on Micah's next contract, and he's not even eligible for it till next spring. He's referenced it several times. How much do you think? How much attention do you think the Cowboys are giving right now to these? Brian Burns, Nick Bosa situations, and how this might affect the way they have to negotiate with Micah next spring.
0: Yeah, the opportunity at training camp uh, ran across again several people when you bring up Micah, and the question I ask is, edge or linebacker? And their answer is, it is what it is. It it, it doesn't matter. It just, you know, you could tell me, oh, we're gonna we're gonna try and, and sign him as an edge, or we're gonna try and sign him as a linebacker. It honestly, they know. They know it's going to be a negotiation. It's going to be one of the higher uh paid defensive players in the league, in league history probably too. So they, they it's I don't think it's oh look at Bosa and see where we're at. Oh, I don't look at Burns and see where that. I they're going to get a number and it's going to be a big number and they know they know that's the possibility they know that now i wonder you know i'm trying to think of ways that like how would you do this and maybe you're going to get a DAC extension or you know some way somehow some form
1: 59 million dollar cap number next year that's got to come
0: down yeah and i wonder there's a side of me that do you say you let it ride for this year do you just let it ride for next year
1: you can you know, let it ride for this year it'd be really tight if you let it rode if you let it ride for next year this year you could get away with it next year you'd have to i think address that pretty quickly if you, I, you know
0: to. what though that's you know do you you know as important as Dak Prescott is to you, Micah Parsons is is just—I shouldn't say just as important because quarterback play. But you look at what Micah does, and he's he's one of the top three defensive players in in the league, right? Yep. Am I right yeah. about that? Yeah. So I think that you there's this there's this weird side of me, and I don't know how it's going to work. That. That you 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 say you know what we're going to let this Dak thing ride, and we're going to figure it out, and then all of a sudden it's what do you do with Trey Lance, yeah you know, and do you pay your quarterback fifty something million dollars, or do you try and get an extension or what? I I just I know it I know it's it, it's possible, but it's not it's not improbable either though, right? That I mean that you could.
1: That they would roll with Lance.
0: Yeah, and and I'm saying that and I'm not trying to slam I, I, Dak. I, no, I'm just no, I telling to, I you totally get it. I'm just telling you that and I've said this so much and I'm sorry I repeat myself way too much. I'm an old man and that's what I do. But there's this general manager is not gonna fire himself. He is gonna hand it off to his son, and his son's gonna become the general manager. And these the Joneses aren't going anywhere. They're just not. And they're gonna run their team how they want to run their team so it's not super 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 important for them you know to like have a it's important to have a quarterback but but at the, on their terms right yeah you know do you understand what I'm saying here yeah that they, like most general managers if you don't have a quarterback you're gonna get fired we never found a quarterback in three years you know, uh, with, the, with the Cowboys when I was, you know, when I was working under the Dave Campbell administration. Parcells came in, Tony Romo fell into our lap, fifth round grade, and next thing you know. But to me, Jerry and Steven and Will, if they build a team the right way they and they have a quarterback that they can work with, you know, that they don't have to pay $60 million to, then then they could pay everybody else that's the yeah. whole the whole plan is to try and find ways to be maximized not having a 50 million dollar year quarterback yeah, and i I'd there's just a side of me that just is is very i wonder if they're kind of setting things up with some of their moves in order to make themselves more flexible for potential keeping lamb keeping parsons you know you know signing guys to longer longer term deals without having to pay a quarterback
1: yeah i think that
0: and i'm not trying to kill dak i'm not i'm just saying this is a team when you are not when your job is not on the line you could do a lot of things there's no pressure no pressure having to pay a quarterback
1: yeah, the yeah. pressure—the pressure would probably come from just what we've talked about here—is that Jerry feeling a sense of urgency to do something yeah. soon, and they'll and see so-
0: what happens this year. They'll yeah. see what happens this year. So with
1: I would say, I, I would say it's not impossible. Like, like I could—that's a scenario I—I I think is within the realm of possibility. Of play. I do think it's improbable. I think that he. I think Dak is probably the quarterback here for the next five years. Um, but it's—it's it's certainly not impossible. And if, if things break a certain way, then it absolutely could change their perspective on things. And that's where we go with this last question here, Brian. Kellen Moore had a lot of success. I know there were a lot of critics of Kellen Moore, but, but just, they had success. Yeah. They had success speaking. They were one of the better offenses in the NFL over the last four years. Just statistically, it it bears out that way. Brian Schottenheimer, new offensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy, new play caller. What does this offense, given the success that Kellen Moore had, what does this offense need to do? What is, what is, what do we need to see from the offense in 2023 for you to be able to turn the change in play collar a successful one? Is it just replicating Kellen Moore or do you have to go above and beyond? What, what does it have to look like?
0: What's, well, is that a question you're going to ask Jerry? Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think for it to be successful is I want to come out of 2023 with the thought that they use their personnel like the defense uses their personnel. That's a great that's, way to put it. That's what that's what I want. I just I'm not asking for touchdowns or gaudy rush numbers. I want to see them have success using Brandon Cooks, using uh, Deuce Vaughn, using Tony Pollard, using CD Lamb, using Dak Prescott, using Luke Schoonmaker. Yeah. You know that's what I want to see. I don't. I mean, I, like I said, this offense—if it does—if it uses their players like the defensive coaches use theirs. Because this is a top five defense, and it, and you know this offense, it, at times it's it's been one of the best scoring de- scoring offenses in the league. But please, 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 Mike McCarthy and offensive staff, use your players to your advantage, and I think everything. If they do that, I think everything will take care of itself. You know. Yeah,
1: I I think the standard for me to say this is a success is. Kind of like you, you say they're not not specific numbers, no, no, um, no. because the numbers were great. I guess I'd say that they is, were great.
0: And it's, didn't win playoff games.
1: It's along the lines of what you'd of what you just said, but I I want to feel like you made somebody more than what they they were. Like I, I, I want the Laurent Robinson stories and those. You know, a lot of times Ceedee Lamb's been great, but Ceedee Lamb's been about what you project him to be. Yeah. Um, you know, you generally, I think you're seeing guys perform. I want the, I want the J Ron curse story on the offensive side of the ball. I want, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this guy specifically, but like, I want Chumi Doga has to step in for six games and Chumi Doga plays really, really well. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. I want, um, you know, and maybe that comes in the form of Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert shows yeah. something, something more this year. Maybe it comes yeah. in the form of, you know, you, you see, jake ferguson break out or you see peyton hendershot really figure things out um or or that you know malik davis comes into his own a little bit more like just uh, varying things and malik davis obviously on the practice squad but those are the the kinds of levels that i think that we're looking at here so i I think that's a great answer and uh, i'll be interested to see what uh, jerry has to say on it you're listening to the love of the star podcast the love of the stars an odyssey podcast you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts all right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone and wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too they got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. We're going to have a couple of these this week. Uh, first question here from Cassie Shelby. sent it real quick. Yeah, though,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. And, hey, folks, thanks so much for your questions. I, I'm, I'm sorry we don't get to all of them, but I do. Pre- and I always ask, we always ask, and you guys have not let us down. And I know we only have so much time, but I'm going to do a better job of trying to answer questions that we don't get to on Twitter. You know what I'm saying I'm going to go back and if you have a bunch of questions and we don't get to we only used to get to 3 of them or so but I'm going to try and get back to your question if we don't get to it so but I'll make
1: but, I'll make this promise whenever I whenever I run into to Brian at the star or anything else I'll have a I'll have my cell phone ready mm-hmm. and I'll just turn it on i'll just put it right in brian's face and i'll throw him one of your questions and yeah. we'll get a quick like 30 second answer out of there you we'll go collect them eventually but no i
0: really no no i really i know bobby does to really appreciate you yeah, guys absolutely. hanging with us on that because every week we ask every week you deliver and there's sometimes your questions don't get asked and you're probably like ah damn it i'm not going to ask any more questions but i'm going to either try and ask them like bobby's talking about or answer them on twitter afterwards if that helps We're so you get can keep them. yeah yeah, we'll get, here, to
1: here, we'll get to a few of them right now, though. Uh, first question here from Shelby George. Uh, he's saying, what are your thoughts on this week's matchups, uh, a matchup between Kayvon Thibodeau and Tyron Smith? Uh, do you think Thibodeau can wreck the game plan? Obviously, I know you're going to dive more into yeah. the Giants film, but you're, you're very familiar with Thibodeau, how he yeah. was at Oregon, how he's progressed. I, I will say that Thibodeau does feel like the type of player that could give Tyron in his current state some fits. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely think we're going to be talking about this as a big marquee matchup that's going to have a huge impact on this game.
0: It will. And, you know, the the thing that makes the Giants so interesting, Bobby, thanks for qualifying. Yeah, it, tomorrow starts my looking at Giants stuff. and But the Giants are really good inside a defensive tackle. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and then, you know, in Wink Martindale, like, he's blitzing right off the bus, you know, so there's things you're going to have to deal with, with protect, with protection problems, crowd noise, things like that. The thing with Thibodeau is he is, uh, you know, he started off pretty slow. He was kind of banged up a little bit and then really finished the year pretty strong for them. So, yeah, and you're absolutely right. The one thing that Thibodeau has is the ability to not only capture the corner, but he also has the ability to get down inside. And when you rush inside on Tyron Smith, that seems to be the weakest part of his game right now. That he can't push off that left foot and get back inside quick enough. So, uh, you know, a big, big, uh, you know, we had some news about Tyler Smith today with some, as we taped this on Monday, uh, with some hamstring tightness. You know, need to monitor that during the week because could that turn into. Is that turn into uh, uh, T.J. Bass all of a sudden? You know, tomorrow or on Wednesday when we have practice, we have to kind of see if, if Tyler Smith is out there practicing at left guard. Because somebody like Tyler Smith could kind of clean up the mess if Tyron Smith gets beat to the inside. But the Giants are, you know, like I said, they've got a good inside group. So there's going to be a lot of one-on-one matchups across that front line that are going to be difficult, and Thibodeau will be one of those.
1: It's interesting you uh, you mentioned that. Let's just tie things in here. Uh, at uh, underscore DCF4L says, it's game day and Tyler Smith is ruled out as head coach of the Cowboys. Man. What's your offensive line lineup? Now, Brian, I, I think you just kind of said it there. You you would personally go TJ Bass. I go Bass. I go I Bass. I would go TJ Bass. I think there is a decent chance this organization would go Chuma Doga.
0: Well, that's, you know, and has Doga played like, He's been tackled the majority of the times, right?
1: He's been better when we've seen guard. I don't think he's sure. been great. I don't think sure. he's been great during training camp. I think for them, though, especially oh Mike no, the yeah. I think they'd say, "Give me yeah. the veteran." Give yeah, me the guy they, No, coaches.
0: All you're right, Bobby. Coaches. But if you if you if on the Brian broadest scale of who's played well at this point, who's Bass given has been better Bass is your sixth guy. Yeah. He he honestly is your sixth best player on the offensive line. Because you got your five starters and then you've got uh, TJ Bass, so I, I would go Bass just because I feel like in a game where you're having to deal with big monstery type of defensive tackles, yeah. TJ Bass is kind of a belly to belly mauler brawler, kind of a blocker, and it might bode well for you to play with a guy like that and and just give it a go. I mean, we hey, we we saw what putting Tyler Smith out there at left tackle, everybody was in panic mode. We saw what that was like last season. Kid did a great job. I I'm, I'm I'm TJ Bass is is shown me, he, he's got a little little mustard to his game.
1: Yeah, and uh next question here from Jen Ford. Uh she says, "What is your confidence level uh, that the Cowboys will come ready to play for game one this year. Seems like they always start slow, uh, likely due to starters not getting game reps in the preseason. I'm a fan of the bubble wrap approach, but hoping the players come out hungry. So, Brian, uh, what is your your just general philosophy on on rest versus rust uh, heading into the regular season? And, yeah, we have seen occasionally the Cowboys come out a little flat. They did last year. Um, and And do you think that – that's something they'll have to guard against in this first game with the Giants.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, and but I also know this, though, Bobby, and, and thanks for the question there, Jen. the 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 I feel like though, that this training camp has been good for the offense for the fact that they've gone against this defense. Yeah. I, I think that I think there were some practices during the week, full padded practices in Oxnard on a Tuesday and a Wednesday you know with an off day looming that they they got stuff done and then there were times like okay they had their approach where they played the three preseason games they learned a lot about guys in those preseason games and it wasn't i mean it wasn't the starters they learned about they learned about TJ Bass they learned about uh you know they learned about our uh, about uh Juan Thomas they learned about some guys along the way and playing those young guys and getting them, you know, three games of work, I think helps them for the backup aspect of it. But I I just the thing that always scares me in the early season games, and I and I'll be interested to see how the weather plays. And it might be one of those nice evenings in you know in uh at the Meadowlands there, where cause you always worry about cramping in the early games. You always worry about yeah. these starters not playing it all in the preseason, but they're working out. You know, they're working out and they're trying. But you always worry about the cramping. That's the one thing we saw it in college football the other day, uh the games we watch, except for our old receiver at uh Colorado who played 130 some odd plays, it Good seemed like grief. that was amazing. He's a stud. But but to me, the thing that always scares me is the cramping aspect. But that's that's where the starters have not gotten game action. But the practice action, I think, has been really, really, really good. And so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that work against their own defense will help them, will propel them to get off to a good start.
1: I do. Obviously, things can change over the course of five days. Uh, the present forecast, Brian, for kickoff that night – It's 77 degrees with 73% humidity and a 50% chance of scattered thunderstorms. So we might have some, uh, so we might be playing some wet football.
0: Yeah, it might be some wet football. It might also be, like I said, that 77% humidity is not a good thing to deal with. At least you're not opening like it. You know, they, they have Miami on the schedule, right? They have the Dolphins on the schedule where they're playing a game in Miami. At least they're not opening it like Buffalo did last year. Remember that yeah. that that thing that Buffalo had to endure early season. So yeah, it's I think they're fortunate, uh, you know, we'll see. But I always do worry about the cramping and uh, you know, and we'll see if they get off to a good start. Mike's gotta get a good start as a play caller too. Get off get Dak going, get the running game going, you know, keep a stay ahead of the change, which is something we'll talk about quite a bit during the week.
1: Obviously, you are, uh, you're a guy who spent a lot of time in Green Bay. Uh, but but absent the, the advantage that you know it was for your Packers at the time, uh, I'm curious, do you, would you have preferred your team? Let's say you're you're from a warm-weather client, the Cowboys, going on the road. Would you have preferred your team playing in the rain or the snow? Snow. Snow is easier to play snow, than, than snow, rain?
0: Snow to me because snow to me is like, you know when you're dealing with that snow is cold. Of course, I'll tell you the worst one we did. We played in the NFC divisional game against the 49ers in a mix of rain and cold, which is which is a oh, which is a night we handled it well. Team handled it well, but yeah, that's the tough one. Snow at least you know where you're going. You know you can kind of deal with the footing is sometimes questionable. But throwing that wet ball in the snow, in the rain is you know for some guys is pretty difficult to do. Dak handles it, I think pretty well, but yeah, I, give me the snow because you can you can kind of navigate that a little bit better than the rain. I we've been in some games like I said when I was in Green Bay we played the Bears on a Monday night in a monsoon, and you know fortunate Brett Favre was a really good wet weather quarterback as well. So. You know, it depends on it depends on your team, depends on your uh, depends on your uh, your coach and his ability to call plays, though too.
1: All right, so just before we uh we we wrap up here, we we needed to carve out the last couple minutes here to acknowledge the passing of Gil Brandt, yeah. um, who uh, you know really to this day his impact is still felt in the way you know NFL teams evaluate players and mm-hmm. um, was the uh, director of player personnel for the Cowboys for 29 years. I he he was not Hell the, a the run. first year. he was here the second year I think is what it was. He he didn't join right out of the first year but yeah. uh, you know an, an incredibly forward thinking individual and uh, you know somebody who who's like I said his impact still felt to this day in in front offices around the you know uh, around the league um brian just some of your thoughts and then i i want to share a uh a, an interesting snippet i found from an article about 35 years ago uh talking about gil brandt but some of your thoughts on gil brandt and his passing
0: well i'll tell you what man gil was a he was one of a kind was a baby photographer before he got in the nfl that was his job Taking, take, taking pictures of babies is what he was. And so he got on with the Cowboys. A tremendous uh, uh, a group that he worked with, with himself, Tex Ram, Tom Landry, Hall of Famers themselves. Um, as a season ticket holder, I know folks know this, for 20 some odd years, from 1972 till 1992, with my family, I didn't see much losing football. And he was responsible for a lot of the players that were brought in to the organization one of my favorite stories about Gil uh was uh, how he timed a player in an airport terminal he stood he measured off 40 yards had a kid stand at one end he stood at the other got his clock got the time wrote it down and went to his next school you know and Gil, Gil is the type of guy that um, you love being around him the stories were tremendous uh, how he and others dealt with uh, before the merger uh, you know, with the NFL and the AFL, how they sh- they hided they were hiding players, drafting players, signing players. It, it was just a totally different way of operating. But I'll tell you what, Gill was one of those guys that, and you talk about work a trade. Gill could fleece anybody. He had oh. this ability to make his players that he was trying to trade you sound like that they were all Hall of Famers. In turn, you were getting the opportunity to draft Tony Dorsett. You know, as you're trading away your guys to the Seattle Seahawks, so I'm going to miss Gil. Uh, he was always super, super nice to me. Always had a story for me, like I said. Always, uh, you know, provided me with a, a, a laugh or two along the way. So, um, uh, man, uh, he was he was one of the he was one of the great ones, and he's uh, one of the pillars of the National Football League and, and of the scouting community and of like is what we know as the combine today.
1: This is uh, this is what we'll close with here. Uh, what I thought was a, a really cool snippet out of the Fort Worth Star Telegram. You remember Anthony Dickerson, the old SMU linebacker, yeah, yeah. played a couple years for the Cowboys. Had a uh-huh. ten and a half sack season in 1983. Uh-huh. You know, it was considered up and coming. 84 season didn't go as well for him, and and by the time 85 rolled around, he was ready to get out. Cowboys were ready to trade him. And all Gil Brandt was able to get for him was a seventh round pick at Mm -hmm. the time. And this was the Fort Worth Star-Telegram recap of it, written by Gil Everton. It said, down at Cowboy Inc., they're quietly cursing the beast that they themselves helped create. The next sound you read will be Gil Brandt's gnashing teeth. It's almost impossible to trade anyone nowadays. It's almost impossible. Two things have happened, Brant contends. People overvalue a draft choice. And second, our game's gotten so complex that if you try to trade someone once training camp starts, people are claiming that they'd be getting him too late to be of much value. And whose fault is this? Gil LeBreton writes, Brant made his name selling the NFL light beer at Dom Perignon prices. Dallas steadfastly built through the draft until after five Super Bowls, someone finally realized that the Cowboys must be doing something right. I don't feel partly responsible. No, Brandt says. I don't think we've ever cheated anybody. We've never put a gun to anybody's head, and we've never <laughs> traded a lame horse. Gil Lebreton writes, If God were listening, insert lightning bolts here. Yeah. Still the underground consensus is that the NFL wheeling and dealing Calm dramatically after the 1977 day when Brant engineered the trade with Seattle that brought there Tony you go. to the Cowboys.
0: <laughs> there you go. The best
1: trade the Cowboys ever made. Brant still says. Yeah. His other favorites for the record are the ones that enabled Dallas to draft Ed tall Jones in '74 uh-huh. from Houston for Tony Smith and Billy Toddy. Parks. Yeah. Yeah. Randy White in 1975 from the Giants for Craig Morton. That's hardly uh. a complete list either. Danny White, Tony Hill, Harvey Martin, Charlie Waters, Walt Garrison, and Robert Newhouse were drafted and picks obtained by trades. Those were the days. You can almost hear Brant sigh from North Dallas. He just finished trading a Dallas Cowboys starting linebacker. He'd gotten a seventh round pick in the 86 draft. People value a fourth round pick like it's gold, Brant mutters. Yep. So that was just a cool story to me, a a, a cool snippet in history.
0: Can I tell one quick story about Gil? Because we're talking about alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) There used to be a, uh, (laughs) there used to be when the Cowboys trained at, Thousand Oaks out in California. Mm-hmm. Gil had a place in Montana, uh, a home out in Montana before the Yellowstones and all that stuff out there. I mean, he, Gil was way ahead of the time for that. And the Cowboys had this thing called the Five O'Clock Club where you used to like when you covered the team, Tech Shram would have a bar set up so you can go in after practice and have drinks with Tech Shram. Wow. And talk football. They call it the five o'clock club. And, matter of fact, when I went to work for Tech SRAM in NFL Europe over at Waterway Tower at Williams Square, I like, real quick, he, he had a bar set up, and we'd, after work, we'd have to come in and we'd have to, like, you mix yourself a drink and you had to tell everybody what you did for the day. That was the way of getting everybody together. But Gil had a way of getting the alcohol. From Dallas out to Thousand Oaks, but the truck would make a detour to Montana and drop off like half the alcohol, and then make its way to Thousand <laughs> Thousand Oaks. So Gil Gil was able to like you know he, he got the wine cellar stocked up you know oh. from uh, from uh, at you know from the Cowboys and stuff. But that was Gil man. He was he was uh, he was one of the best. He really really was
1: one of a kind uh for sure. that that does it for us here on the love <laughs> the star podcast thanks so much for joining us uh we've got we're, we're back in mid-season form so this is here we go three episodes a week so uh this one's dropping on tuesday as we recorded on monday we'll record another wednesday night you'll have that one thursday and then we'll record again on thursday night uh for you guys to have that ready for friday as we preview the giants and move forward for brian Bradis on i'm bobby belt we will talk to you guys again later